a podcast that offers a curated look at some obscure, forgotten, and neglected singers of the mid-20th century. I'm your host, Ethan Stoller, and we have a special episode today celebrating 4th of July, uh, Volume 1 in our series on The Cars. Okay, I, that that joke is the whole reason I formulated this podcast in the beginning just to do that. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, but there are weirdly a lot of great obscure singers with the last name Carr. And our focus for today is on Lodi Carr, who is still alive. She lives in New York. She's on Facebook. Uh, <laughs> she only ever released one record. Uh, that was in 1960 on Lori Records, a record called Ladybird. Uh, but otherwise, though she's been praised by mostly other jazz musicians and uh, writers, she never really caught on uh, popularity-wise, which is odd because Lodi Carr is a really good singer, and I'm going to play you an example right now. This is from her record. Uh, this is a standard most people know. It's called When I Fall in Love, Lodi Carr, 1960. When I fall in love It will be forever Or I'll never fall in love In a restless world like this is Love is ended before it's begun And too many moonlight kisses Seem to cool in the warmth of the sun When I give my heart It will be completely uh, I'll never, 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 never give my heart I can feel that you feel that way too That's when I'll fall in love with you We need to talk about the liner notes on this record uh, they're written by Nat Hentoff, who you might recognize that name. He was kind of a prodigious jazz writer. 
he had radio shows, he had a column in the Village Voice, and he wrote he wrote for just about every publication uh, from 1950 to about 2010. And I, I just want to read the first paragraph. It's a bit long, but it kind of pertains to a lot of topics we cover on this podcast. And uh, he says, one of the rarest of all music phenomena in the past decade, he's writing in 1960. So basically he's talking about the 50s. One of the rarest of all music phenomena in the past decade has been a jazz-influenced singer who can really sing, particularly among the female species. The harvest, with very few exceptions, has been blighted. Most girl singers confuse distortion with style. In addition to twisting phrases as if, as if they were taffy candy, most contemporary girl singers have a beat like an aging locomotive and a sound that indicates a recent incompleted job of strangulation. Worst of all, almost none has had freshness and individuality. Nearly all are relentlessly derivative. We now, however, have promise of a uniquely attractive exception, Lodi Carr, who herewith has made her first album. Okay, first of all, relax, Nat Hentoff. It's just not true. Give me examples or shut up. And maybe he did in columns, but I just got to give me a little bit of space to rant here. First of all, it's clearly a misogynistic idea, right? Uh, I mean, beyond the condescending phrase girl singers and ignoring the needlessly violent strangulation reference. I mean, just look at the jazz section of any you know, record store, it's 98% men. And the women that do kind of have their own <laughs> divider card usually are singers like Ella Fitzgerald, Sarah Vaughan, Billie Holiday is basically about it. Maybe Dinah Washington, maybe Anita O'Day. So basically he's saying that all for an entire decade, no woman has made a worthwhile contribution to jazz. And those that did, namely the singers, aren't doing it quite as well as their male counterparts. I mean, that's how I read it. And it's just, it's stupid and it's wrong. And it, but on the other hand, I kind of, <laughs> I'm, I don't agree with what he's saying, but I also, I feel like he and I actually share, uh, qualities in the singer that we like. Um, you know, as he's praising Lodi Carr, he, you know, later in the liner notes, he says, uh, what could be a manifesto for, unaffectedness. He writes, uh, I would like to point out that this is a refreshingly candid debut album. There's no tortuous grinding of the emotions, no heavy breathing intimacy, and no attempt to dazzle the listener with scat singing acrobatics that often hide the inability to sustain a lyrical line. Miss Carr, in short, sings directly, musically, and with the sound and style of her own. So I'm down with that. I'm down with that. I just think there are more singers he wasn't finding that fit that description as well. Damn it. And we're going to send them a copy posthumously of all these episodes of my show. <laughs> so with all that in mind, let's have another listen to a Lodi Carr track. And uh, this one's going to unpack a whole nother, you know, topic of discussion. This is Lodi Carr doing My Ship. Uh, the Kurt Vile song, and you're going to hear in the beginning of the song a wrong note 
and we're going to discuss more, but just know that I know it's there and we'll, I'll, I'll see you on the other side of this track. This is Lodi Carr singing My Ship. My ship has sails that are made of silk. The decks are trimmed with gold And of jam and spice There's a paradise in the hold My ship's aglow with a million pearls Sun sits high in a sapphire sky when my ship comes in. I can wait the years till. So we'll get back to Lodi in a minute, but first, a very brief history of wrong notes. Uh, I guess Bach was the first kind of famous composer to incorporate quote. Every time I use the word wrong, just imagine quotes are on it, quote unquote, wrong notes. Um, which of course, you know, those are the ones that usually make the music interesting. Um, so very, very quickly, I'm going to give you a couple examples from music that I love. Uh, this is from Beethoven's fifth piano concerto, second movement, a piece I'm extremely familiar with from working on as the music editor on Sense8. This piece recurred several times throughout that show. Uh, But check out this quote-unquote wrong note in in this movement. It's lovely. So that's an interval called the flatted ninth. So we're in the key of A major. That note is A sharp or B flat. And it's just, oh, it takes the piece to a whole, I mean, it's such a lovely piece of music. And then that just kills me. Uh, so basically the whole history of wrong notes up until early mid part of the 20th century was it was all written by the composer. It was the composer's choice. And, you know, it, as time went on, composers got more daring with harmonies and with rhythms. Wow, the, the brigade's coming. You hear that? <laughs> uh, maybe it's Nat Hentoff. <laughs> he doesn't like it. Um, so then when we get to... So that... That interval, that interval is very jazzy, right? That's like, uh, I mean, Beethoven didn't invent the flat at ninth, but just incorporated it so beautifully. And then jazz, that's one of the favorite, like blue notes or wrong notes in jazz, along with the famous, uh, 
flatted fifth. This note. Uh, it's also called a tritone. Um, but when jazz players started using it, it wasn't, you know, very rarely was it written down. Gershwin started writing down a lot of blue notes, they're called. Um, but here's an example that Gunther Schuler writes about in his book, The Swing Era, which was kind of like my personal jazz Bible, uh, a few years ago. I did, there's, it's an extremely, uh, detailed and specific, uh, accounting of jazz music from mid thirties to late forties. And I devoured that book and he really gets into the detail about, uh, jazz music and why it sounds like it does and gives examples. And this is one example. This is from a Red Norvo sextet recording of a song by Irving Berlin called Russian Lullaby. Now, I don't know how Schuler discerned this, but he says that uh, the clarinet player, Hank D'Amico, plays a wrong note that he didn't intend to in his solo. And then Red Norvo heard it while he was kind of waiting to take his solo and then incorporated D'Amico's wrong note into his own solo on the uh, xylophone. So, I don't know if it's true. I mean, I think D'Amico was a great musician in his own right. He, you know, I don't know how Schuler decided it was unintentional, but here, here's what it sounds like. Uh, first, here is D'Amico's quote-unquote wrong note. Coming up right here. This note. And I'll just let this play through. Uh, Red Norvo then takes that note and throws it in his solo. Check it out. So yeah, pretty cool. And I, I love xylophone in jazz, especially uh, from the era, this era before high fidelity recording, where the high frequencies kind of weren't, you know, squeaking through as much. That's got a bit muted quality because the uh, technology couldn't reproduce such high frequencies. So I like how it, it's, it's a cool, sharp xylophone sound, but still muted a bit. Uh, anyway, we... <laughs> We've, we've veered a little bit, but I'm bringing you back to Lodi Carr. So the beginning of my ship, uh, that word silk, you, I don't know if you even remember anymore. My ship has sails that are made of silk. But the melody is intended to go like this. Instead, on the last note of that phrase, which should be this note, we get something in between here and here. My ship has sails that are made of silk. I'm just fascinated by this. And I don't know why. It, it sounds like she just flubs it. Because kind of her voice kind of breaks. Maybe it was one of those instances where they thought the wrong note just sounded cool. Because they invested money in, like, the players were kind of top-line jazz guys. And they thought, oh, she, that, let's, let's fun. It's nice to leave the mistakes in sometimes. So that is an example where I don't necessarily think it's bad. It definitely makes the record feel more interesting to me. Uh, but just one last note on this, uh, 
Lodi Carr re-released her record like on CD and on the internet and in the promo materials for that release, she quotes her, I guess they're close friends, her and Carmen McRae, who was a really famous, prominent jazz singer from the era. Uh, and the quote includes the phrase, she sings so perfectly in tune. So maybe this was an intentional, you know, improvisation. Either way, it sounds interesting and cool. And another personal friend of Lodi Carr, at least according to liner notes, uh, is Sheila Jordan, who is still alive. She's 90, 91 years old now. Um, she recorded one album in the 60s. It came out in 1962. And it's kind of one of these high-priced, uh, sought-after collector's records now. Uh, really nice tone, good singer. Her husband was Duke Jordan, a prominent jazz pianist. Uh, I'm just going to play you one example of Sheila Jordan uh, from this record. It's called Who Can I Turn To Now? Uh, lovely voice. Check it out. Who can I turn to? Very nice. Uh, as we close out here, I'm just going to play the last, the very last note of Lodi Carr's record, uh, which is a jazzy quote unquote wrong note, which is completely intentional in this case. Uh, so maybe she has the last laugh after all. Uh, but thanks for listening. Uh, you can check us out at unaffectedpod.com and Twitter and Instagram at unaffectedpod. I uh, appreciate you listening and have a great holiday weekend. And I'll see you again in a couple of weeks. See you next time. This has been an Ambivert Media Production.